This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We have been talking about the very confusing and rapidly changing regulations around travel. And we know that people are really keen to travel. And Jean Jolkin, uh, just back to that, uh, as far as you know, do people who are traveling to the European Union, assuming they get in, will they have to quarantine if they've been vaccinated, as far as you know? So, yeah, another good question. And uh, it looks like no in most of the countries. Again, it's country by country. Um, from what I'm seeing, uh, they're doing the rapid, a rapid test uh, or have you, if you've been tested within 72 hours and, of course, uh, being double vaccinated. And coming from Canada, because we are a low-risk country now, that is playing in our favor. So I'm not seeing that requirement uh, all over yet, uh, all, all over Europe at this oh. time. Okay, because uh, I have to say, but uh, I mean, enough about me, but after I had that conversation with the consulate the next morning on a com- competitor's uh, news site, uh, they said Canadians can get in with uh, a negative test, but of course it wasn't attributed. So again, Jean, uh, are there, you know, uh, Zanetta was talking about some countries where it, it'll work out, but do you have countries you're telling your clients that it might be better to stick to for now? Uh, well, just this Just morning, a minute, maybe... I'm, uh, just a minute, let Jean answer, please. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, sorry, yeah, no, I was, uh, yeah, some of the, like, France is open, Denmark, uh, and, and um, countries like Malta, smaller countries, Portugal, starting to open, um, so it is, and, and but the negative test, uh, if you sorry, if you are negative, yeah, then you will looks like you're not needing to uh, quarantine in most countries now. So that is positive for us. Okay, but but it's still and and yes. uh, again, are you know how many people do you hear from? Not a number, but it, in general, are people willing to say, "Hey, I'm going to take that European holiday this summer"? No. I'm not getting a large request for that European holiday yet. Again, because of the return back to Canada, that's still uh, hasn't been uh, changed yet. We're looking for that change next week. Okay, and and Zanetta, how about you? Well, I just wanted to get back to the um, uh, to the requirement regarding quarantine. Just um, you know, it, it is true that most of the European Union um, has lifted the requirement for quarantine, but. Just this morning, I was uh, actually communicating with a client who has a, uh, a home in Switzerland, and she's flying there, flying to Geneva um, next in July. And she currently, as per the, as per the requirement of Switzerland, she is expected to quarantine there for two weeks upon arrival, fully vaccinated, uh, you know, uh, tests uh, before boarding the plane, tests maybe upon arrival as well. And yes, quarantine for two more weeks. Well, uh, the uh, so. prime minister is apparently quarantining for two weeks. Uh, he's had a he's had a negative test. I mean, I think he's only had one shot, but uh, mm-hmm. th- the he the requirement is apparently applying to him as well. And and Canadians who decide to travel, they're gonna uh, until they change it, they're gonna have to do all that. Yes. Uh, I mean, the expectation is that all the, the quarantine requirement will lift pretty soon. And um, and also the expectation is that the European Union, you know, for Canadians will uh, relax the entry requirement and that at least the quarantine requirement will be lifted. So then people can go and, you know, do all the necessary testing. And, and of course, they'll be vaccinated. But then from the airport, you proceed to either your hotel or you proceed to a cruise ship and things like that. So you can actually uh, do complete your vacation. Martin, uh, let's 
uh, talk to you for a minute. Now, I, I know you specialize in, in the health insurance, but I was wondering, uh, you know, Air Canada is selling tickets to places where it's not clear <laughs> that tourists, Canadian tourists, can actually uh, get in. So if if they can't, is there any liability for the airline? I mean, we've just seen them finally start to issue refunds. Yeah. Let me, if if I could just go off course for oh, yeah, one second. Sure. Cruise travel, and please, the rest of the panel, uh, mm-hmm. let me know if I'm accurate. At this point, there's a level four, avoid all cruise line travel in place, okay? From an insurance perspective, you should know the Manulites of the world and the other companies of the world, they will, if you're will not insure anybody for any unexpected medical emergency if they're going on a cruise while it's at a level four. Only when it moves down to a level three, well, then some new companies on board now are going to cover fully vaccinated individuals for insurance, but those who are not fully vaccinated will not have coverage for COVID on those cruise ships. So I think this is right. huge. I don't know if they've, they've heard this, but uh, I don't think you can get insurance right now if you're going on a cruise. Hmm. Correct. That's correct. So that that who would go on a cruise ship still from the the worry of you know God forbid the floating petri dish they called it without any travel insurance whatsoever I think that would be problematic. Hmm. Yeah, the expectation is again that all of these um, uh, you know requirements will lift looking ahead in the year. But you are absolutely correct for anyone that wants to go on a cruise, uh, let's say this summer, let's say to Greece in the fall. Um, that will be one one very sticky question. It will with yeah. insurance. Yes, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend yeah. any until uh, 2022. That's in 2023 we're selling, but uh, 2021 is not looking positive yet for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and Martin, uh, do you have any sense of in terms of the airlines and and refunds? Uh, are are people basically having to buy just the most expensive tickets so they can be sure that if anything happens, they'll get a refund? You, you know, uh, from my perspective, because I'm getting asked these yeah. questions, I believe the airlines are being very good right now with respect to cancellation policies and even trip cancellation and interruption. So they're being very fluid, more than they've ever been. So from my perspective, my trip cancellation through the insurance world will not cover a cancellation for pandemic or COVID. So that still is a known cause, and it really makes the trip cancellation policy worthless at this point if you think you may have to cancel because of a fifth wave, God forbid, or something like that. And and Martin, so in terms of this mythical trip to Europe, uh, can fully vaccinated people, they can get a health coverage, right? Unexpected a medical emergency coverage, yes. Uh, many of the insurance companies are now giving fully vaccinated people finally recognition for what they've done and they've upped their limits. And they've also, in the cruise ship world, when the level four is taken off, will allow them to have coverage on a cruise ship. So there is now a correlation between the two. Okay. So, and then, then here's this, uh, this other question. So we just heard that you can't get into that Springsteen show because they are only recognizing vaccines that that are approved in the United States. AstraZeneca is not. Uh, many people, myself included, have AstraZeneca shots. All, all, almost all of Britain has. And, and I've also heard that there are some com- countries that will not accept uh, mixing and matching of the vaccines. Uh, what can anyone tell me about that? I, I can tell you that I think this is going to be utter chaos because that's just a Broadway show. But when U.S. opens up, are they going to accept Canadians who are fully vaccinated with one AstraZeneca, two, or a mixture of AstraZeneca and Pfizer? I haven't a clue. And then in Canada, in return, will they bring, allow the Russian vaccine, the Chinese vaccine? I mean, this is, this is just beyond understanding at this point. And um, uh, as far as vaccines goes in Europe, um, I was just reading uh, this morning, actually, that all of the major vaccines that are recognized in Canada, AstraZeneca, J&J, Moderna, Pfizer, they're all recognized in, uh, in Europe, but not the Chinese and, and limited um, recognition of Sputnik. And I don't know what that means, but uh, I guess in some countries it is and in others it's not. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> It is crazy. I'm, I'm going to take one quick call from a caller who's been very patient. Janet in North York. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Fine, thanks. 
Okay, well, this is kind of the flip side. This is about people being extra cautious even after the shot. A friend of mine's cousin passed away three weeks ago. I'm sorry. Double vaccinated, yeah, COVID, and someone I know in the States also. Also, I was on a cruise ship in 2019, booked for 220. It's now in 2022. It's called the Flower Power Fabulous Trip. (laughs) Apparently... um, one of the sister ships sailed the other day. It was all over the news. And two double vaccinated people um, have COVID. They were tested on the ship. And another cruise ship just before that recently, same story. And people are also using false um, certification of being double vaccinated. So people have to be very careful right now. But besides being very excited about the, being able to travel, I think they should be very cautious. Okay, thank you, Janet. Yeah, I guess that's that's a problem. Uh, you know, are are people going to be faking it? I mean, there's there's just so many issues popping up with this. I'm I'm sure we are going to revisit this topic probably many more times. Uh, right now, I'm going to give everybody thirty seconds. Gene uh, Joshin, what would you like to leave us with? Well, I think uh, I'd like to just say you know we're very optimistic uh, about the future, and I, I think. You know, we're going to get the the worst of it's going to be behind us. People are very excited to travel. And uh, as long as all travel agents get as much information and give the right advice uh, before we book anyone, that's the most important thing for us. Zanetta? Uh, yes, uh, I agree totally. And I, I really do have to encourage people that are that can't wait to travel again to reach out to their travel advisors and please make arrangements sooner rather than later. Um, All of the bookings have flexible terms and conditions. The cruise companies have really, really uh, been very supportive that way. So I just want to mention that if if anyone were to make any bookings now for travel in, uh, let's say, later this fall, um, they can can cancel up to 48 hours before before the trip takes place. Um, And booking for next year and beyond, there is hardly any exposure, you know, with deposits being refundable. And I'm saying this because there is a huge pent-up demand, and I can tell you from my own experience that uh, if you're planning to go on a cruise in in the spring of 2022, well, you're already faced with lots of um, availability challenges. Okay. So, yeah, so that will be, I think, um, prevalent for all of 2022. Martin Firestone, last word to you. I am closely watching when July 4th or July 7th comes and see when we can get rid of the infamous hotel quarantine and then the ultimate 14-day quarantine. And then the next step will be the level three travel advisory and the U.S. border opening up. So I think those are keys. They have to happen before everything else starts happening. And if they don't happen, we got a problem. So let's hope everything goes according to plan. Okay, we're going to stay on top of this, people. I know you need a holiday after this. Thank you so much, Zanetta Rushmont, Martin Firestone, and Jean Joshin. Thank you, Libby. Thank you for having me. Okay, and that is all the time we have for today. Uh, Free for All Friday coming up tomorrow, and that, of course, is the day when you set the agenda. And I, I, I want to especially say I couldn't get to some calls, and I really hope those callers uh, who were waiting patiently uh, and who had some very serious things to say, I hope you call back tomorrow and we can give it a full airing and that's all the time we have for today you're listening to an exclusive podcast of fight back on zoomer radio heard weekdays from noon to one fight back with libby Snymer on zoomer radio Well, that, of course, is a snippet of Bruce Springsteen's hit, Born in the USA. And maybe you're thinking, gee, he's going to have a Broadway show, and maybe going to see that would be a lovely way to organize a trip if you're fully vaccinated by then. Well... Well, you may have to think again because you won't be allowed into that Broadway show if you've been vaccinated 
with AstraZeneca. And that is just an early example of the patchwork of rules we will be facing as we resume travel and travel-related activities. Every country has different rules and different restrictions, and they are changing by the day. Still, people are so keen to get back and travel. That is the one thing that I've been hearing from my friends that they just can't wait to do. So, uh, and th- there's a whole other aspect, and that is for a favorite Zoomer mode of travel, and that's cruises, which will have a whole different set of regulations. So my question to you in the audience, are you ready to get on board or on a plane again? And uh, what do you think about what's involved there? The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740-4740. And now I'd like to welcome Jean Doshin, a travel agent with Be Smart Travel, which is a, div- a division of Nexion Travel Group, and Zanetta Rochemont of Cruise Holidays of Clarkson, and Martin Firestone, president of Travel Secure. Welcome, all of you. Thanks for joining us. Thank, Thank you, you, Libby. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, let us begin with Jean. Uh, have you had an uptick in requests for travel? Absolutely. Uh, we're calling it revenge travel. People are very excited, but also very apprehensive as well with lots of questions. Uh, what if, what, what could possibly happen still going forward? Okay, I, I I hope I'm not going to bore everyone with with the personal story of what I and I'm I'm a professional uh, journalist to, trained to find information going through, just trying to find out what the rules are for Canadian tourists traveling to Germany. So I went to the website. Um, I can't make head or tails of what they're saying there. Uh, it may as well be written in German. I was extremely patient on a day off. I got through to somebody at the German consulate. That person told me Canadian tourists are not allowed into Germany, period. They will not even be allowed in the plane. I said, you know, I know people who have tickets. Would Could you put that in writing, please, in a sentence that has the words Canadian tourists? Uh, and she gave me an email address, and what I got was a link back to the same incomprehensible website. Um, and again, I know people who are holding tickets who have questions, and, and you hear all kinds of things. So, Gene, what's the story? <laughs> you're, you're not far off. It is so confusing. And, you know, it's not just Germany, but every country in the EU, for using Europe as an example, uh, extremely con- confusing, misleading. The updates are uh, not in real time, so it's continually to be fluid, uh, un- unsure. If, yes, we can travel. No, we can't. I do know Canada is considered low risk to Germany and is in a very low risk group, uh, but you are correct. It is very ambiguous for anybody looking to travel there. Just a minute. So do you have an answer? Are you sending people to <laughs> Germany now if they want to go? There are, um, you know, there are certain kinds of uh, excursions that are happening. I mean, uh, car companies put them on and, and that kind of thing. Yes. Well, you know, I would be very cautious still um, and really have, have to make sure that we do have it in writing with the big challenge is the is the vaccines to make sure that people are double vaccinated before going as well so that's also a, a consideration uh, and then what happens when they return to Canada so in the sh- very short run I'm not recommending yet for Germany I'm, I'm waiting and watching before I can really put my stamp on it um, which brings us to the question and I think we've uh, we've discussed this before, Martin Firestone. So even if you are double vaccinated from here, you've got a, a piece of paper. Yeah, and it's crumpled. That, that, <laughs> and it's, well, no, I got another piece of paper because I got my second shot and that one is neat. <laughs> but that's what I've got. I suggest you go laminate it and get it looked after. Therein lies the problem. We don't know what we need. We don't know what we're getting. I have clients that got both shots down in the USA, Florida, as you know, many of our 
mutual people have done that. Where is the Canadian government going to have that on file that you can apply and get this card or whatever it's going to be? How are they going to prove that you got that shot in the U.S.? It's just utter confusion. It's chaos. And I don't know how this is going to all come together in such a short time. Well, yeah, and we know, I mean, uh, those incomprehensible rules are a little clearer for people who are residents of the European Union, and they have a pass. Uh, let's bring in Zanetta Rochmo. Uh, cruises are even more restricted than the rest of everything. So, But I, I'm sure you have people who want to get, get in and, and book Absolutely, Libby. And uh, up until recently, actually, most of the bookings that our agency was uh, completing were for 2022 and beyond. But as the situation with the double vaccination improves in Canada, and as some of the countries in Europe are starting to open up, more and more people are now looking to get away this fall. And um, and everything you said um, is correct. We have to check with every country what their requirement is. Um, there are, though, several countries in Europe that we can travel to freely without worrying about being quarantined upon arrival, because that's another story that, that happens all over Europe. But um, as we know, Greece has opened up. Uh, so we see a lot of the cruise companies um, very quickly putting together Greece-only itineraries. Uh, Croatia, which is almost next door to Greece, is also open to cruising. Uh, France, I think, is the country that also just recently announced Canadians can go and take part in the river cruises in France. So slowly but surely, countries will open up. But at the moment, we really have to be very careful. Uh, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think uh, cruise ships are not allowed to dock here in Canada. Am I, am I right or wrong? You are very correct. And uh, that's not supposed to change according to the situation right now until February of 2022. So how are you going to collect passengers? I guess you arrange for, for the cruise to start somewhere else. Like, how are you doing this? Uh, well, they will fly to the uh, port of embarkation in Europe. So, for example, if a, if a cruise starts in France, let's say, uh, you will fly to Paris. And from Paris, you will get on board the, the river ship. River cruises are a little bit easier to to manage, although if it's an ocean cruise, let's say, that is in Greece, then you will fly to Athens and you will get on board the ship. Um, and you will do your cruise and return from Athens back to Canada and hope that by then, by the time you return, the quarantine requirements in Canada uh, will be lifted. Ah, okay. You know yes. what? Uh, we're going to be talking about those quarantine uh, requirements momentarily, but let's take a call from Michael in Bolton. Hi, Michael. Yeah, hi there, Libby. Um, I, uh, I, was, uh, I flew out of Toronto uh, to Ecuador back in February, for the month of February, and I flew back uh, a month later and into Toronto, and I had no problem. Uh, they wanted me to, uh, uh, to go to one of the hotels. But I just told them uh, freedom of rights, and I, I walked out, and they said, well, you're going to get a ticket. That was two months ago. I never did get a ticket. Okay, you're lucky. I heard the fine for doing that is up to over $5,000. No, never got one. And, and uh, there's, a, there's a, an organization uh, called, uh, called Rebel Something that will uh, fight it for you in court. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, Michael. Well, you got lucky. Thanks for your call. Uh, we've got to take a break, but we will be back with more on the situation if you are keen to travel. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, the numbers are looking very good and so is the pace of the vaccination rollout aside 
from the confusion that's going along with it. Restaurant patios are open according to the Phase 1 plan, which the government accelerated by a few days, which is why politicians and business leaders are calling on the Ford PCs to allow personal services businesses like hairdressers and spas. They want them to get back to work ahead of the scheduled July 2nd reopening. Mayor Patrick Brown is leading the charge. He's had a pretty good track record with this type of advocacy. I have to say he uh, took charge on reversing the closure of playgrounds and allowing vaccinated healthcare workers to watch the Leafs. So what about this time? Mayor Brown, welcome and thanks for joining us. A pleasure to be on your show again. Okay, so uh, why do you think the time is right? Peel, after all, is uh, just about the hardest hit region, and you have a lot of essential workers in in Brampton. So why do you think the time is right? Well, we've made great progress. Uh, We have over 75% of our population vaccinated with first doses. Uh, We're making real headway into second doses as well. We've seen our case counts go dramatically down, the best numbers we've had since September, we only have four people in our ICU. Wow. And because the population has sacrificed so much, where the science dictates we can have a safe reopening, I believe we should. In March, our medical officer of health wrote the province saying that he thought we could safely reopen this sector. Then the emergency break got pulled and that got cancelled. But really, my plea to the province is this sector has been hit so hard. They've been closed since November. And what really confounds it for me. When I've got a constituent calling, and I've had some of these business owners in the personal services sector call me literally in tears. And if I had a response to say to them, you being closed is saving lives, you know, I, I, I could give that explanation. But I can't in this case. You know what? When I had crowded factories calling me asking to stay open, Amazon it was calling to stay open and they had 600 cases, I said, no, it's out of control. You need to get this under control. But in this sector, that's not the case. We haven't had a single outbreak during the entire pandemic in the setting in Peel region. Not a single forward case that, that's been traced to hair salons or barber shops. Uh, and, and for that reason, I, I really believe that we can safely reopen today in, in, in this sector. Do you have any sense of how big the sector is in Brampton? Well, the estimates are provincial estimates. About 200,000 people work in the sector in Ontario. I would note it is predominantly uh, female-owned and um, operated. 81% of those employed in the personal services sector uh, are female. And uh, it's, they've been battered through this pandemic. It's not just a health pandemic. It's an economic tidal wave. And it's tough to hear these stories. You know, it's tough to be mayor of a city and have people call me and tell me they've lost their life savings. And in this case of this sector, you know, I don't believe the continued closure is based on science. Uh, Uh, I think we're sticking to an arbitrary date um, needlessly. Uh, I really think we should say to this sector, you can open tomorrow um, and thank you for your sacrifice over the last year. Well, uh, it's interesting. So they're female owned. A lot of the people who work in these businesses are new Canadians. Uh, And, you know, the irony is that they are trained in infection control as opposed to a lot of other businesses. Yeah, it's it's a skilled trades, and and I would note, let's not be naive about it. You know, to, to suggest you co- you close hair salons and people don't get haircuts. You know, I haven't got a haircut since November, but I'm very much aware that there are haircuts. And you need one, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> um, haircuts. I, I'm 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 aware of the fact there's haircuts happening underground in garages and backyards, and they don't have the same safety protocols that there would be in a salon. Well, exactly. I mean, and then there's uh, an issue with some of these businesses. I mean, uh, I know we're, we're going to be talking to a hairdresser and, and a spa owner coming up. So uh, even though people are, are leaving hairdressing, I know there's a huge pent-up demand, and, and, and it's, a, it's a profession, it's a trade. But in a lot of these places, there are a lot of people who are working, say, in nail salons, who are not making a lot of money. And, you know, even at reopening, I think people will have a hard time uh, getting their workers back and all of that, getting geared up. Yeah, because what's resulted is you have higher priced 
a haircut happening illegally in backyards and garages. And there is some concern amongst salon owners. It'll be tough to get their employees back. And so we've created, um, you know, almost a jungle in terms of, of the rules. And that's why, you know, bringing people into um, a proper setting um, is safer um, and it's time. Uh, yeah, now th- there's an announcement scheduled, the Premier and Sylvia Jones. Do you have any idea? Is, is it possible? I mean, the Premier did say that he would take it up. Do you have any idea if where that's at and if this announcement has anything to do no, with I, it? I've got no ideas of, of when there could be a potential announcement, uh, but I would say um, it's my understanding that, that the Premier is sympathetic to this message. I know he's spoken to a number of business leaders and mayors um, about whether this earlier reopening can happen. Um, and, and I've got to give him credit for that. You know, on a number of issues, um, he's a- adapted course. And, and I really believe um, that that's important. You know, you, you, you can't be stubborn on issues and inflexible. Um, I think a successful government is one that listens to stakeholders in the province and, and constituents. And uh, I think this is another opportunity for the government to do so. They, they did that last week when it came to giving AstraZeneca um, people that got AstraZeneca, the choice of an, an mRNA vaccine after eight weeks, instead of sticking digging in their hills and waiting for a 12-week figure that had been arbitrary set, they adapted. And, and I think this is another example where they can safely adapt. Well, yeah, and he, he also made the point that there are five women in his family <laughs> who, who are very anxious for this. Well, whatever way he's sharing this message, uh, I'm grateful because uh, I want to see these small businesses in Brampton back up on their feet and, and running again. Well, you know, uh, one thing that I think there's a lot of in Brampton that is not quite up and ready, and I'm, I'm wondering about the services ancillary are, uh, you know, great big Indian weddings, and there are a lot of personal services around that. Do you have uh, any sense of, of uh, where the people involved in those businesses are? So I don't think we're going to see great big weddings until the reopening is complete. I imagine that will be one of the last um, events that is uh, permitted again. Um, But I do think there's a lot of work that resolves around the personal care settings um, that is not dependent on large um, weddings. Um, So I I think the sector will be just fine to reopen. There's so many people like myself who have been waiting so long for a haircut that uh, as soon as they're open, I'm sure they'll be very busy. They, They they certainly won't need weddings to keep them busy. Well, yeah, part part of the issue uh, with hair salons, for instance, and this happened the last time, so they reopen and it, and it's you know crazy for a few weeks, and, and then it's quiet. And, well, and, and and hopefully this is the last start and go. Uh, I'm optimistic based on vaccination numbers that uh, this will be Ontario's last lockdown, um, and it would be uh, disappointing if that wasn't the case. I I'm very optimistic that uh, we're not going to see start and stops like that again. Okay. Anything else you want to leave us with? No, just uh, excited for uh, a summer that hopefully will be a little bit more normal. Uh, unlike the, uh, the, the last nine months, uh, I'm uh, confident we're looking at better days ahead. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank Brampton you. Mayor Patrick Brown. Bye-bye. Okay, now the people who work in these businesses and their clients are very keen to see a reopening as soon as possible, but it is not necessarily simple. There's the issue of recruiting and bringing back staff, some of whom may have left the industry or are doing better on CERB than they did in their old jobs. And what about the pressure of paying back the various loans that have allowed owners to hang on through this. Um, if you have questions about a reopening or if there's anything you want to say about it, or uh, maybe you want to tell us what you are most looking forward to and most anxious to have, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now I'm joined by Stefania Capovilla, owner of Society Salon and Blow-Dry Bar in Ottawa, and Akita Lee, manager of Chi Spa in Toronto. Ladies, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Hi. Thank you for having me. Okay, let us begin with uh, Stefania. How long have you been closed for, I guess, like everyone else? And and how big is, is your operation? In total, or you mean this time? <laughs> oh, well, whatever. Well, Go ahead. We have been, so here in Ottawa... 
we were placed in a lockdown on Boxing Day where salons were closed and then allowed to reopen mid-February. So we worked for about six weeks, four to six weeks, and then we were placed in this lockdown at the end of March. So uh, it's been four months. Okay, so you're actually doing better than some businesses yeah. in Toronto. Now, how many yeah. people do you employ and, and what is the situation? Like, what would you have to do to get back open? So, in my particular circumstance, I have a small boutique salon right in downtown Ottawa and our clients are, you know, mainly Parliament Hill, etc. And I'm lucky. You're talking to one of the lucky ones right now. I have a very small uh, space. It's myself and I have two employees. So when we reopen, it it would be like flicking a switch. I don't have to uh, have any limits on capacity, on staff or anything like that. Um, But I do know that a lot of my colleagues and friends in the industry, it's it's not, they're not in that boat. Um, I believe our, they haven't officially announced the capacity limit, but it looks like it will be 25% or up to five people in a space, no matter what size it is, um, at a time. Right. Uh, but what are some of your colleagues, what are, what are their issues with uh, getting their staff back? So I myself have lost a staff member. Um, a lot of people, my colleagues and friends, same thing. I'm hearing it all over the place. They're having a hard time finding people to come back. A lot of people have become... Um, They've decided to do other things in life and stop hairstyling. Um, so it's, it's it's very challenging right now. I'm hearing a lot of that in the industry. Okay, let's bring in Nikita Lee. Hi, Nikita. Hi, Libby. How are you? I'm fine. And uh, full disclosure, uh, Nikita is my esthetician. <laughs> I really need a facial, Nikita. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Now, uh, I... Uh, are you uh, are you a sole proprietor? Are you the only person that works in your business? No, I have uh, two other estheticians and one uh, registered massage therapist. Um, right. And uh, what is the situation with them? So right now, the only person who can work is the registered massage therapist. And, uh, but the rest of us, we cannot work right now. Uh-huh. So very disappointing. And is is the other esthetician, is she ready to come back if, if it reopens? Yes, because we have been together for the past almost 20 years, and we are like very small, like small spa boutique. So yes, they are ready to come back as, long, as soon as we reopen. Now, uh, I've, I've thought of you often when I d- drive by the place, and yes. you're located right on Young Street in... <clears throat> an expensive part of town. So I'm just wondering, how are you hanging on? Did you have to take out loans? And, and what are you going to have to do to earn enough money to pay everything back? So um, a part of it that I have to use some of the loan from the government and uh, the part of it I, I have held from the, you know, from the rent subsidy, yes. Right. Because otherwise, I don't know how we can uh, keep up with this because we've been locked out for so long. Right. No, I, I understand. But what I'm getting at, and, and Stefania, uh, feel free mm-hmm. to, to jump in here. Uh, if you've taken out a loan, right, you have to pay it back. Yes. And you have to cover your ongoing expenses, too. So I'm trying to think there, there's a limit on, on how much business you can have. I mean, you know, there's only one head you can cut at a time or one face you can do. So do you have a, a plan for, for how, do you, how do you get ahead? How do you pay this money back once you are open? You know what? Uh, that's a great point that you're making that is not really being talked about right now. And I feel like it should be brought to light. A lot of people, a lot of business owners in our industry specifically, have been forced into a lot of debt. They've taken on a lot of debt because of this. None of this would have happened were it not for the pandemic. Through no fault of their own. That's right. They're doing this to survive. And we're not really seeing anything in terms of, you know, there is a I don't know what the specific schedule is for repayment, but there's no real... Um, I'm not hearing any uh, deferring of that or like moving it up, like figuring out because 
they haven't been working. They haven't been generating income. How are they supposed to start paying back these loans? Nikita? Um, so, yes. Sorry, like what about... start all over the business again. <laughs> sorry, uh, so do you have a plan? Like, how do you... Once you reopen, how do you make enough to cover your, your current expenses and then pay this back? I guess we just have to work even harder. Um. Yeah, yes. I mean, I'm I'm just wondering because there's there's capacity limits that will be in yes, place. Yes, we do have a capacity limit of a client come and come in and come out of the spa. That have to that you know it have to be uh, because that's what that's one of our um, you know like precautions to make sure all the client feel safe and confident. So we have to have limited client in the tour spa. Yes. Right. Okay, we've got we've got people who have uh, comments and questions. Let's hear from Doreen in Kingston. Hi, Doreen. Well, hello, Libby. I'm the first uh, first caller, I guess. <laughs> okay, yes, you are. Yeah. Well, thumbs up to um, Patrick Brown. Um, I guess my comment is this: uh, what I witnessed with the hairdressers. I'm not talking about the nail salons where usually they let you know everybody in and sit around and wait. But what I witnessed with hairdressers. Um, and experience was that they only allowed one client in at a time. And if you arrived early for your appointment, um, they, the door was locked and you had to wait outside. And then you had to wait until they sanitized before they let the next client in. So whoever is re- <laughs> going to open this up, I hope they're listening because um, there has absolutely been no cases through um, hair salons. And um, I sent an email to the Ford office um, when the landscapers um, or the, um, what do you call it, where they get the flowers. Um, they, um, they opened up, and uh, I drove by several of them, and people were lined up shoulder to shoulder, uh, not only while they were looking at flowers, but in the lineup for the cashier. And here's the hair salon, uh, who only allowed one person in at a time. Uh, they're closed down. Uh, yes. Yeah. And Doreen, I gather you really want to see your hairdresser. Well, no, I'm uh, I'm okay actually. Um, <laughs> I have a friend that uh, that cut my hair once since. Uh, oh, since the shutdown. Well, Doreen, Doreen thank you so, so much for bringing this point up because yeah. in our spa industry or our hair salon, we are on top of everything. We sanitize every time we are on top of, you know, like client safety, all those. And we, the only business, got locked down for so long. Thank well, you for bringing yeah. this up. And and let me just make a point. Uh, you know, uh, Doreen mentioned the, the nail... Um, nail salons. Well, I know that in Kingston, uh, there was a case of an outbreak that originated there, but I can tell you that in the small period of time when they were allowed to open here in Toronto, the one that I go to, they had capacity limits. They were very, very conscientious about sanitizing. And it's a place I know I've been going to for years. And some of them are hairdressers as well. And uh, everything was just the way you would want it to be. So uh, again, I know there was that case in Kingston, but I think in the industry generally they're pretty good because you know at the best of times, if if you're if you're not careful about that, there can be a problem with manicures and pedicures. Um, right, Nikita? Yeah. Yes, but we yeah, are. Like- you are so right. Um, sorry. Yeah, go on, Doreen. I. No, no, we're talking to Stefania now. Yeah, Stefania, I just wanted to say that um, health and safety and disinfection and sanitation training is such a huge part of our training and our licensing. All of these protocols that we're doing, not a lot had changed with the new COVID protocols other than, you know, the PPE and the screening and the one at a time. But everything else, the way we sanitize and disinfect is pretty much the same as what we were always doing. And it's unfortunate that anytime anyone brings up transmission in the personal care setting, it's always that one salon in Kingston that everybody remembers back in the fall. Um, and we've been unfortunately painted with that brush. And it's just not the case. Those people weren't following any protocols whatsoever. Well, ex- exactly. And I really wanted to make that point. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, again, back to back to the challenges 
Nikita. So you've got your rent subsidy, but again, are, are you worried at all at how you're going to manage, you know, ongoing expenses versus paying a loan back? Like, of course, the worrying and all those is always there. And because, you know, like I said earlier, it's like I had to, it seemed like I had to start my business all over again. Like from the day one, that's how I have my business. You know, like the first year, second year, you don't make money and then start slowly, you make money back. And this is how I, I see. And, but thankfully that I still have Kispa, right? Right. I'm assu- I mean, I'm assuming that your clients will come back to you, some of them being very anxious. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure, for sure, yes. I'm grateful for that, you know, but still it's, it's a very tough time for all of us in the industry. Uh, Stefania, yes. Patrick Brown was talking about uh, so-called underground haircuts. We've been hearing about them. Yeah. Do, you, do you think you might lose any clients to that? I mean, maybe right now at this exact moment, but as soon as we reopen, I don't, I'm not worried about anything like that. No, no, I don't think so. My only concern is that now all these things are happening in basements and in backyards and at people's homes. And it's sort of counterintuitive to what the whole point was about having us closed and operating safely and properly with, you know, surprise visits by public health and whatnot and proper regulation. Um, I empathize deeply with people that have to do what they can to survive, and I am no way shaming any of this, but this is what's happened because of our closure. Mm-hmm. Nikita, I'm, I'm not sure that when it comes to those other things that a spa does, I'm not sure, uh, have you heard, is, are, is it happening underground? Uh, yes, I heard some, like, hair salon and... Um, I'm not sure about a spa because, you know, like the facial, you need a space, you need a like bed and on those, that's those. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, but I have no concern at all with my client because we are in the Indian neighborhood for so long and we have a number of loyalty clients and, um, you know, so. Mm. Uh, Stefania, have you heard from your clients? Uh, are they trying to book already? Yes. I've been, every day I'm contacted by someone asking if, you know, they're hearing that their friend got a secret haircut. Am I doing secret haircuts? So I'm getting requests like that. Um, And I'm also, um, yeah, clients are definitely reaching out to see when they can rebook or if we can rebook. Um, So I have uh, reached out to my clients and proactively started booking people for the first week of July, which is when Step two supposedly takes effect, but that's really all we can do right now. Uh, tell me more about people asking you if you will do the illegal haircuts. Yeah, it's happening. Um, I'm hearing a lot about it. In fact, when I do walk around, so my, my salon is on one end of Spark Street, and I live at the complete opposite end. So I'm walking around downtown Ottawa all the time, and I am seeing uh, personal care businesses with papered up windows that don't appear to be out of business necessarily. So right there, like I'm seeing a lot of that. So it just makes me wonder, you know, what's going on. Oh, so you Um, think something is going on behind the paper? Yeah, hundred percent. Definitely. For sure. Uh, Let's hear from Marjorie in Kitchener. Hi, Marjorie. Hello. Uh, I, I wanted to say I have a regular hairdresser I've had for 36 years here in Kitchener. Uh, she is in business for herself, has her own private um, function where she works out of, and she has taken special uh, attention and has a sign up that's, or had a sign up that said, I have paid attention, I have to do this, that, and the other thing. She has to wipe down everything. She, all of them have to go to the extra expense of, of cleaning up after someone has been in there, which she follows to the rule. I'm on a waiting list for whenever we get open and that. Uh, but she, her hands are tied like everyone else. She cannot work and does not work under the table, although she's been in the business forever. And uh, it, it seems very unfair that we can't get in and get our hair, uh, get our 
our manicure or our hair done or whatever thing, whatever, because she's followed all the rules and other places are open. And uh, how anxious are you to get? What's the first thing you want to have done? I, w- I need a perm. It's in my eyes, uh, and uh, you people have to look at me. I don't have to look at me in the mirror if I don't want to, but other people see me when I'm out and about. But on top of that, uh, my my son who lives in Ottawa, who is a professional driver for Paralator, he brought up or mentioned something very interesting that has happened where he is at Paralator. He's been there over 25 years. Uh, and they are having trouble getting drivers because they will come in and work for one day and then they quit because they have received this money that's been sent out for whatever reason that they can apply for and they get, we'll say, $500 a week. Uh, and why should they work? So they, they work one day at Perlet and they quit. Why should they work when they're getting paid by the government for doing nothing? Well, that's um, th- that's an issue, uh, but the the CERB is winding down. But yeah, that's in some industries. That's what people are complaining about that that y- their their potential employees will do better on the CERB than coming back to work. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that that was all I wanted to say. It just it just seems grossly unfair that we can't have a manicure or a pedicure, and I don't do either, but I do get my hair done on a regular basis, cut and perms and oh. that. And it's- Okay. Okay, Marjorie, thank you for that. And I hope you get to your hairdresser soon. Uh, we're basically out of time. Uh, Nikita, what would you like to leave us with on this? So I want to leave on this is, you know, like, um, among all these, I know this is we're going through the very difficult time for us and for all the industry, especially spa industry and hair salon industry and restaurant and gym industry. And we are have been the one who over cautious about everything and we've been overlooked at it. So I hope this one is will be the end of our tunnel. And my best wishes for all the spa business out there to be back as normal. And Stefania? I 100% agree with Nikita. Um, just hoping this is the last lockdown. And my heart yes. really goes out to the, specifically the Toronto Peel area beauty business, who you guys have been closed since the end of November. Very long. I frankly, yes. Very long I, I don't know. I don't know how you've done oh. it, but God bless Too you. Guys. <laughs> okay. Too long. Thank you very much, Thank Stefania you. Capovilla and Nikita Lee. Thanks so much. Thank you, Lippy. Bye. Bye-bye. We're going to take a break. When we come back, there's another thing that people are itching to get back to, a business that's uh, basically just been uh, decimated, if not more than that, that's travel. And things are starting to reopen, but boy, gosh, just trying to navigate some of the different rules and regulations, it'll make your head spin. So we'll talk to a couple of the professionals when we come back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.